All right, so I'm starting a series today called Work. Everybody say work. So uh, this series is going to be awesome, and it's about work, but it's actually entitled Grind. So everybody say Grind. <laughs> and what this series is meant to do is it's meant to help you at work. Raise your hand if you need a little help at work. Yeah, we all do. You know, all of us in our lives are going to work a lot. My first job, real job, was when I was 14 years old. I made $3.80 staining frames for a picture framing company. So I had to do this in the summer, the hottest part in summer, in a room that there was no air conditioning, and I had to wear this big rubber uh, coat so that the stain wouldn't actually forever stain my skin. And uh, ever since then, I have worked. I've worked a job to earn a wage, and it's just a way of life, right? Work is a part of life. It's a part of getting older, taking responsibility for caring for yourself and those that God entrusts you with. And, and maybe eventually you'll, you'll have worked enough and saved enough money that you can retire. But even in your retirement, at, to some degree, if you're a healthy person, you will find some work to do, hopefully something that honors God. Most of us will spend most of our lives working. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you people do you know who are happy working? How many people do you know who are happy at their jobs right now? Think about it. Well, there's a Gallup poll, and in this ongoing Gallup poll, they keep surveying over and over and over. One out of three people are enthusiastic and committed to their work and workplace. So that means that two out of three people in this room are a bit frustrated, maybe leaning out, suffocated by your current work situation. So this isn't exactly right. So this, imagine that this group over here of these three sections is satisfied, encouraged, loving their work, okay? And then the two other groups, you all do not like your work. So let's get into this a little bit. I'm going to ask you, do you like your work? And you're going to go, yay, like you do, even if you don't. Okay, Andrew, are you sitting in this section? Because Andrew works at the church. Okay, thank you for being over there in this section. No, wait, you're going to be in this section because this is the section that people don't like to work. Okay, um, okay, so here we go. Do you like your work? Okay, do you all like your work? <laughs> that actually would be true, that the no's would be louder uh, in, in all around us than the yeses would be. And uh, this is, I think, uh, this is not the way it's meant to be. And in fact, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a voice that's getting louder in our culture saying, you ought to be able to enjoy your work. Do you think that's true? Uh, say amen if, you say, if I want to ask you, do you think that you ought to be able to enjoy your work? Yeah, and I think I agree with you. I agree that you ought to be able to ha be happy while you work, and, uh, and you know that, and I know that. In fact, some people believe it so much that they think, well, I just need to find another job. Now, rarely does looking for another employer eliminate the unhappiness that you have from your current work situation. I mean, at times it does, and some of you should move on. Some of you have moved on, so this isn't about beating you up for that. But more importantly, let's just assume that all those of you that currently do not like your job or are frustrated or are leaning out can find meaning and purpose and joy in your work. Let's assume that the two of you, your two sections, can find the same feeling that this first section could feel. Wouldn't that be great? I think it's possible. And I don't think it always means that you have to find a new job. 
And here's the thing about work. It is. It's work. <laughs> right? It can be hard. And what makes it more difficult is all the imperfect people make your work even harder. Right? All those people you have to work with that are so difficult to get along with, they make your work even harder. And sometimes they can be stubborn and narrow-minded. I mean, not you, but them. They're all stubborn and narrow-minded. And some of you have to work for a boss who's all these things. And ultimately what it does is it piles up and leaves a feeling in the pit of your stomach where you would say, I don't like my work. Some of you might even believe that the work, that work is from the devil. But did you know the Bible shows that work was first done by God. So in Genesis chapter 1, we read the story where God did the work of creating all things out of nothing. This phrase, ex nihilio, out of nothing. Now, all things were created by the spoken word of God. But we see that God does the work. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he made humans. And God made his humans in his image. Imago Dei, in the image of God, humans are made. This idea of humans being made in the image of God is what makes humans distinctly different than anything else in creation. And it is what makes humans special in that we can be in a relationship with God. So in ancient times, Kings saw themselves as bearing the image of their gods. But Genesis, uh, the word of God reveals that every human being is made in the image of God, not just kings. So look there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. By the way, let us, there's a reference to the Trinity there, one person. I'm sorry, three persons, one being. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and of the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created that, that phrase, let us make man in our own image, is so important. And it does not mean a physical representation, nor does it mean we are exactly like God. Instead, what this phrase means is that there are things in us that are like things in God. And one of the things in us that's like the thing of God is we are being most human whenever we work. Like God we are made to work at something. Very simply, God works, so we work. And did you know it is possible for you to enjoy your work? You can, guys. These two sections, y'all only have to listen from this point forward. But these two sections, it is possible for you to enjoy your work. And I want to tell you three ways that you can enjoy your work. First of all, you've got to let God define you, not your work. This is about identity. You have to hear me say you were made in the image of Almighty God. Our ultimate identity is not found in our work. Instead, it is found in God whose image we are made in. We're not told who we are by our work, success, 
feedback from the bosses, accolade, achievement. No, that doesn't define who we are. We're made in the image of God. You'll enjoy your work more if you reject the temptation to believe that your work defines you. It doesn't have to have to if you're in Christ. And this is also for those of you that are in school. There are some of you that are taking classes right now, and some of you might believe that you are as worthy or worthwhile or as important as the grades that you make on that test. Don't do it. Let God define you, not your work. Let God tell you who you are, not your work. Raise your hand if you ever watch America's Got Talent, the show America's Got Talent. Yeah, that's a great show. That's a great show, very entertaining. And uh, I was reminded as I was thinking about this this uh, sermon about this 11-year-old girl from Pennsylvania named Ariel. She stole the show. This has been a few years. This is back when Nick Cannon was the host. And, um, and she stole the show. She walked out onto the stage, and you would not think by just looking at her that this girl could really let loose and sing. But then she opened her mouth, and immediately everyone was like, whoa. In fact, Heidi Klum said to her, uh, said to herself, I'm talking to the girl, you know, is she singing playback? Like, is this a a pre-recorded song she's singing? Uh, This can't be coming out of her mouth. And so I remember the performance, and it's like so many others, when they, they perform and then they walk off the stage, and then they give them a little interview at some point. And what stands out to me is I reflect on this interview is that this girl, she was in tears. She was clearly emotional about what the judges said about her performance. And she was asked, why are you so moved? And here's what she said. She said, I feel so, I feel so good. I felt so good when they told me who I am. I felt so good when those judges told me who I am. So she is letting them define her by her singing. We do the same thing. Sometimes we let our bosses or our perceived success in our job define who we are. If it's a good day in business, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. It's a bad day, we're not feeling so good about ourselves. I know about this. In church world, this is how we do it. When it's an up Sunday, numerically, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. When it's a down Sunday, we're feeling pretty bad about ourselves. Sometimes. We cannot let our work define us. You're not defined by how many gigs you get. You're not defined by how many clients you have. You're not defined by how much bank is in the bank account. You're not defined by who thinks you're the leader in your industry. You're not defined, moms, by how well-behaved your kids are, because that is a job, too. Can I get an amen from the moms? They're like, well, I didn't sleep good last night, and uh, that's okay, too. Take a nap. We're not defined by those things. You know what we're defined by? We're defined by God Almighty. We are made in the image of God. And your work doesn't define you. God does. And here's some of the things God says about you. John chapter 12, verse 12. Hold on. In Christ, you're a child of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. In Christ, you have a purpose. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Because of Christ's work, your sins are forgiven. John chapter 15, verse 16. This is what God says about you. You are chosen. You're appointed to bear fruit that will last. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, you are not a slave to sin. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, before you were born, you were set apart to do something great. 
Romans or First Peter chapter two verse nine. It actually says, "You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light." John chapter fifteen verse fifteen. This is who you are. You're not a mistreated, mistreated servant of God. Instead, you're a friend of God called to serve. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you are God's masterpiece. It's not your work that defines you. It's God who defines you. If you want to enjoy your work, you got to go into it believing that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what defines you, what God says about you is this is not your home. Your job is not who you are. You are a child of God, made in the image of God, saved by Christ for a greater purpose. And so whether or not you do a good job leading that classroom or dealing with that client or making that cell or producing that art, that does not define who you are. And if you will believe that, you know what? You can enjoy winning and failing either way. You can enjoy your job no matter whether or not you win or fail. You're doing good or not doing so good. People like you or they don't. Christians, we're called, first of all, to find our identity and a relationship with God. This is our primary calling before you're called to that job that pays you. We're called to belong and to be in a relationship with God through Jesus. We are called to do a work and to follow Jesus, which we'll talk about in just a second. But our vocation must have at the center of it the heartbeat it's all about Jesus. We, he's the judge that we're hearing from. And all the rest can be just noise. So first of all, let God define you, not your work. Second of all, here's a fun one. You want to enjoy your job? Dominate your tasks. Where are my A-type personalities up in here? Dominate your tasks, but submit to God. Dominate your task, rule over your task, but submit to God. There's this really beautiful part in verse 26 of chapter 1 where the, the, the first created people are, are given their, their assignment. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And, and as a part of their identity, they get to exercise dominion. It actually means dominance. They get to harness their God-given physical and intellectual abilities to be great at work. We also get to exercise dominion. But in exercising dominion, that doesn't mean we're over all things because in exercising dominion, you know what? We're still submitting to God. That's the difference. Some of you work with people that are very happily exercising their dominion over you, but what they do not realize fully yet, and they will someday, is that their authority all is to be submitted beneath the creator of the universe, God Almighty. So you can be at work and work hard and dominate your task and do great and put in a lot of hours and be excellent and expect excellence from those that are around you. But all of that must be under the authority of God Almighty. It is under the authority of God Almighty, and you must live like it is under the authority of God Almighty. You know why? Because you really make a terrible God. You really do. You don't want the position of God at your work. 
You don't want the position of God in your home. So you get to dominate those tasks, mom, but they're all underneath God's authority. God is the one that gets to inspire you and encourage you and help you and assign you a daily uh, prescription of what to do. So you're still under God's authority. So those of you that are students, I know there's some in here. You get to dominate that test. Go in there and do your best to make the best possible grade. But you know what? At the end of the day, you get to do all that beneath God's authority. When I say authority, I'm not talking about like hammer authority. I'm talking about loving, strong, trustworthy, faithful authority that he's in control. He knows what's going on, and he's going to take care of you. If you understand this, you'll enjoy your work. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Here's a good verse to memorize. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. When you study for that test, when you're trying to make that sale, mom, when you're dealing with those kids, that work is not for your teacher. It's not for your client. It's not for that child. You know who it's for? It's for the Lord. When you have that perspective, you can go into your day and you can enjoy your work. Is anybody with me? You're making me feel good about my work right now, okay? And all this plays out nicely, especially if our boss is a jerk. It doesn't matter whether or not your boss is good or bad. You can serve and love and pray for him or her, no matter if, if, they're, if they're good or bad, because you're not working for them. You're working for the Lord. Now, part of working for the Lord and being under God's authority is you do probably answer to somebody in your job, which is a good thing. But no matter how they treat you, it doesn't determine how you're going to treat them and how you're going to treat others and the attitude that you're going to show up to work with. Because you know what? They're not ultimately your boss. You can enjoy your work if you would know that your boss, little B, is different than your boss, big B, and your boss, big B, is God Almighty. It also helps if you have a difficult coworker. Raise your hand if you're working with a difficult coworker. I'm looking for Andrew. Where is he? Because me and him, we're just working together. He's, he left. He's so convicted by this sermon. Oh, there he is right there in the back. All right. Got back from a smoke break already. Thank you. Welcome back. Um, if you have a difficult coworker, you know what? If you know that your work is not for them, and it may be with them, but it's not ultimately for them, you know what you can do? You can say, you know what? I'm going to Obey the command of the Bible. It says, love your enemy, pray for your enemy, serve your enemy. And I'm going to do that for you no matter how you respond to me. Because ultimately, I don't work for you. I work for God Almighty. If you want to enjoy your work, you must let God define you, not your work define you. You must dominate your task, but know that you're still submitted to God Almighty. So your work is for God as an act of worship. And the third thing that you ought to do is know this is that God is doing his work through your work. Now catch this. Some of you might think for one second that the work that Andrew and I do, for instance, as pastors in his church, is more important than your work. But you know what? It's not. God is doing his work in your class through your work in your class. God is doing his work in your home through your work in your home. God is doing his work at your clinic through your work at his clinic. You get what I'm saying? God does his work through your work. Chapter two of Genesis gives another telling, uh, kind of fills in the blanks a little bit of the creation story. And we read in verse five, this beautiful description, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. So 
Things need to grow, but it hasn't happened yet. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And check this out. There was no man to work the ground. God wanted some work to be done. And then he creates humans to do the work. So the work of God in the world is going to be done through the work of people in the world. This is how you can enjoy your work. You see it in its proper place. It's not like God is working over here and doing this thing over here through the local church, and then you're over here trying to run a business, and it's separate. No, no, no. God is doing his thing in the world through you and through your your business skills, through your leadership, through your administrative skills. There was no man to work the ground, verse 6 says, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground. This man began working the work. You see, God does his work through your work. I promise you, you'll enjoy your job if you believe that. You'll enjoy your job because you will realize that God is doing something more than just providing uh, income for you to be able to go to pay your mortgage or to pay your rent or to put food on the table or to buy those new clothes. No, there's something bigger going on here. God has put you in a work situation because he wants to work in your situation. Hey, I just made that up. Write it down. Write it down. That's like full on, like almost like Pentecostal preaching right there. Okay. God is, I don't remember what I said. We'll catch it. Something about a situation. Um, anyway, um, squirrel. Um, okay. So but, but let's be honest, work is hard. Uh, you know, work is very hard, right? Work is, work is so hard, and the reason it's hard is because sin has entered. You see, when Adam and Eve had got their assignment to work, it was before sin entered, but then they chose to disobey God. Sin entered, and now there's problems between people, problems between people and God, and the earth just does not produce like it's supposed to. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 God speaks the judgment for Adam and Eve rebelling against God and sinning. He says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Here's the thing about work. It'll never produce the results that we feel like it ought to produce. Never. Your work, no matter how much you enjoy it, no matter how smart you are, how great you are at it, it will never really bear the fruit that you feel like there should be. You just got to know that. And every time you work hard at something and you feel like it should be here and it ends up here, you know what that's a reminder of? You need Jesus. Because we will not be ultimately satisfied by the fruit of our labor. What will be ultimately satisfied is by Jesus, who invites us into a relationship with the Father. See, a result of the fall for all of us is that our work will never truly give us the joy that we hope it could. It will never do that. You can't enjoy your work. You can't show up to work knowing that you're not defined by it. Instead, God defines who you are. You, you can't 
show up to work with a better attitude. You can't show up to work dominating your tasks but submitting to God. You can show up to work knowing that God is working his work through your work. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, even if all of that is hit on all its cylinders, you still need Jesus. So right there in the passage where God is saying this is the result of sin entering ground will not bear the fruit that it ought to. You'll, you'll toil and toil and toil and always struggle to see the fruit that you feel like should be there and probably should be there. Even in that, there's a promise of one who will come and that one who will come to restore all that's been broken by sin. You know, there will be a day when we get to spend eternity with God and our work will produce the fruit that it's meant to produce. And so all of this ought to stir our hearts Set our eyes on Jesus. This is the good news of the Bible. God invites you into his work in the world. He invites you to a heart change that we all need so that we don't put our identity in our work. Instead, we put it into God. And God invites us all into this through Christ. And here's the thing about that work. That work is finished. The beautiful news of the gospel is that you don't have to work for salvation. Jesus did the work on the cross. And so your work at work, the thing that God wants to do through you, is not to earn you salvation and to earn approval. That work at work is in response to the work of Jesus on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven. This is the good news of the Bible. So let us all work with this in mind. Maybe you're here and you've never crossed over the line of faith and you're struggling at work and you're frustrated by the fact that you can't change your own heart at work. You're frustrated by the fact that your work isn't producing the fruit that it ought to work. Maybe the very first thing you ought to do is ask yourself the question, how am I in my standing before God? Does my sin stand between me and God separating me from him? Am I an enemy of God? And if so, you should know the good news of the Bible, that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus so that your sin could be erased. He died on the cross. He took the cost, the price for your sin. This is the Christian faith. We live out of this. You can't enjoy your work. Others of you are here. You are already followers of Christ. You're Christians. You've repented of your sin. You've placed your faith in Christ. You've begun that, that journey. But maybe your attitude in relationship with your work has not been great. And you know, you're like, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to not put my identity in my grades. I need to not put my identity in, in the, how my class behaves. I need to not put my identity in the dollars and the checking account. Instead, I need to put my identity. You know, whatever. God has stirred your heart. I want you to lean into that. But I, I want to give all of you a call to action. I'm, I'm going to close it after this. I want to give you all of you a close, I mean, a, a call to action that I think could be a very practical, tangible thing that you could do today to just communicate to God and to others that it is possible to enjoy your work no matter what your work situation is like. Here's the call to action. It's a different kind of call to action. So if it's dumb, it'll be over in one minute. All right. So here's the call to action. I want for you this week to post on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your Snapchat, your Zanga, MySpace, uh, whatever else, your blog. I want you to post something that, that, sh that shows that you love and appreciate 
right? So that's the call to action. I mean, obviously, the first call to action is this. If you're not a follower of Christ, cross over the line of faith. And there's also the call to action of like, you know, get your heart right in those three things that I mentioned. But here's a very ta- tangible thing that I want you to do. I want for you to post and just say, um, you know, I really appreciate this about my job. Andrew might post, uh, I love Russ- working with Russell. He's such an awesome guy. He's so fun, you know. Um, right, Andrew, right? that you put um hashtag near town church hashtag best boss ever hashtag um good thing for keto he's lost 10 pounds hashtag you know whatever else so i want you to do this all right all of you i really really want you to do it post something on social media i would love for you to hashtag near town church and here's one thing that it could do it could show your coworkers, some of whom know how um frustrating your job environment could be they're, they might even look at it and say, what? You actually like this job? And you could say, well, I'm beginning to because my perspective is changing. Um, who knows? It might even encourage your boss. Encourage a coworker. So what we want to do is we want to live our faith out there. We want people to know that we at work actually can work differently because our identity is not in our job. Our identity is in what God says about us. We recognize that we are partnering with God in the world as we dominate tasks, but we're submitted to God. That's what we want. That's how you live the Christian faith in your job. So let's think on and pray about these things. Would you bow your head?